0: Diving deep deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome welcome to Utopia. Week one is in the books throughout the NFL. Monday Night Football last night, man, the storylines just keep on coming. One week into the season, what a crazy, crazy week one it was. As We welcome you in. On a Tuesday edition of the Hugh-topia football podcast, we'll do a mailbag a little bit later, but as we welcome you in, I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of and Pendergast Sports Radio 610 alongside my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, you and I were joking before we hit record on this bad boy. Um, Hey, had you heard the news? Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Did you know, John? Had you heard that Aaron Rodgers got injured in uh, Monday Night Football last night? Really?
1: Yeah, I don't know right. if you
0: knew that. <laughs> you'd have to be
1: Rip Van Werenko, or you'd have to be on Uranus to not know that Roger that Rogers blew out his Achilles. And I've been reading reports about the timeline, what it takes to heal, the difference between a quarterback like Rodgers and a running back like J.K. Dobbins. And it was saying, don't rule out Rodgers at the end of the season. I'm thinking, yeah, he turns 40 on December 2nd. But you know what? Next year training camp, that'll give him ten months, so he should be a hundred percent by then. So I certainly don't think, Sean, that this is his career's over. He does not want to go out injured.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, Father Time, though, man, He's going to have a whole lot to say in, in that whole thing and how he ends up healing. All right, I got. I want to get to some text and angles in a second on this, John. But real quick, as long as we're talking about this in generalities off the top, Aaron Rodgers injured for the season. Can you ever remember? Something that was such a big story in the offseason. And then four snaps in to the season, it's over. John, they put this team on hard knocks. They, you know, this this was this was the biggest story of the offseason. Aaron Rodgers getting traded to the Jets after 18 seasons in Green Bay. Can you ever remember something that became just such a big I don't want to say popcorn fart? Cause him getting hurt is a huge bit of news. But as far as any sort of Jets the season, that's done now.
1: Never, never anything yeah. that ruled the off season. Every sports headline, he had his own PR show, Hard Knocks, as you mentioned. He was had people saying Jet Life Stadium instead of Met Life Stadium. And I felt bad for him, the fans, the players, Robert Sala and the coaches. It showed a lot of resolve to win that game in overtime. But man, oh man, they went being from a Super Bowl contender to I can't imagine with Zach Wilson, they're going to even be a playoff contender.
0: Well, we'll get to that. We'll see if it's Zach Wilson. We'll get to the Texan angles here in a second. Last thing before we get to those Texan angles with the Aaron Rodgers injury, John. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers is around the team this year, or do you think he just heads back to Malibu and rehabs on the West Coast at his house?
1: I'm guessing, considering the time he put in in New York and New Jersey in the offseason, to be just one of the Jets boys, Mm -hmm. that he will – if he gets the surgery in California, then he'll rehab in California. But I don't think we the last we've seen him at Jet Life Stadium because he's become too much a fabric of that organization. But you know how some guys do it. Justin Verlander I didn't see him for two years when he was rehabbing from Tommy John. And, and he'll get the utmost care, I hope that he comes back and he, I hope he gets a surgery in New York yeah. or New Jersey and spends a lot of time with the team the way he did in the offseason.
0: All right. So the Texan angles with this, John, one is just sort of a factoid here, but um, I guess Dwayne Brown will be the answer to a trivia question. He doesn't want to be the answer to, which is who is the guy that, uh, was it Leonard Floyd who got the sack last night for, uh, for Buffalo? Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he, uh, Who did he beat on that play to end Aaron Rodgers' 2023 season? Texans legend Dwayne Brown at left tackle. Went for a cut block, did not really connect, I guess. Um, So Dwayne Brown, John, the unfortunate answer to a trivia question in New York. I felt bad for Dwayne watching him do his post-game media scrum by his locker. You could tell. uh, You could just see the... The, the culpability or the responsibility he was bearing on his face there. That was tough to watch.
1: Yeah, I felt bad for him because he's missed a lot of time. He's part of that offensive line that's the biggest weakness on the Jets. He's been hurt. He's been out. He looked like a guy that hadn't played in a lot, and unfortunately for him, it had the worst possible results.
0: Yep, absolutely. Second Texans angle with this, John, um, these two teams play in week 14, the Texans and the Jets. Um, this was one of those games – that the Texans got because they finished last in the division. So the Jets finished last in their division. So they were matched up with each other. And then the Texans had the unfortunate luck of, yeah, the Jets finished last, but guess what? They got Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. They ain't the worst team in the division anymore. I think the Jets are back to possibly being the worst team in that division, John. So from a standpoint of a Texan from a Texan scheduling standpoint, the universe is back in balance again.
1: Could be a huge break, Sean. Under you know, ordinary circumstances with a healthy Rodgers, they would have been competing. Not just for the playoffs, but from the for the division title at that mm-hmm. point. So they give they give the Texans the best they had, and they still might be competing for a wild card berth. They got a great defense. They got a really good running game, loaded with backs, good receivers. But you know, all Zach Wilson's got to do is don't beat them. But that's a big if for him. But man, you're right. Whatever the spread was in that game, I would have taken the Jets. Now I'm not so sure.
0: Yep, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you on that. And then um, the last thing, last Texans angle, John, should Nick Casario's phone be ringing this morning or should Nick Casario be calling up Joe Douglas in New York to say, hey, check out these two quarterbacks I got right here, Davis Mills and Case Keenum, John, both on the odds board. Davis Mills fairly high on the odds board to be the next acquisition at quarterback for the New York Jets.
1: that would be very interesting considering Mills has been their backup and quote-unquote competing for the starting job, Uh, and then they would trade him to the Jets. I don't know about that. I'm guessing there's a lot of quarterbacks they would look into, but why not to Sario Collin and say, hey, I got two veterans around here that have started, one for two years, the one off and on for like 11 years. What do you got to offer? Because that's one of the few teams Case Keenum hasn't played for. (laughs)
0: That is true. Good one. Um, Who would you rather have if you were the Jets? Keenum or or Davis Mills? Boy, from
1: an experience standpoint, for a guy that's competed for the playoffs, been in the playoffs, and if you indeed think he's coming in to be a backup to Zach Wilson and that if Wilson doesn't play well or gets hurt, you're going with this guy, go with Keenum. Because he's been in the playoffs. He's got experience. Mills has started – most of two seasons for a terrible team, and I'd rather have Keenum if it's a if it's a short term deal, and he was going to be the backup.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. If I'm the Jets, I Keenum's played in big games before. You know, he's he's been there and done that. I don't. We're not even sure if Davis Mills is a good quarterback. You know, or, or has that? We know he's not a good quarterback right now. Otherwise, he'd be starting for the Texans. But we know we you know we don't even know if if Davis Mills has the chops to go win a playoff game. We know Case Keenum has has been in that environment before. I'm with you. I would want Case if I were them. And if I were Nick Casario and the, the price were right, I would trade Case. I would trade either of them. Hell, I trade both of them if you want to. CJ Stroud's the future on the team. You're looking to stockpile draft picks still, I think. Um, all right. Let's uh, quick in here on the Texans before we get to the mailbag. You want to email a question in for the next week's mailbag? HOU mailbag at gmail.com. Nothing super new on the Texans front news wise. We're waiting for Wednesday for D'Amico Ryan to give us updates on the injured Texans, probably the two. I'll say the three that Texan fans are most interested in and curious to get your thoughts on these, John. We'll talk about the offensive line too. Um, Jalen Petrie's the big one, I think, for most people. Chest injury, bruised lung. Jimmy Ward, still dealing with his hip, was out last week. And then George Fant, who left the game in Baltimore on Sunday because of what looked to be an arm injury of some sort. Something about, you know, some sort of injury on his shoulder. Is a shoulder? Okay. Um, But uh, thoughts on, I guess... You know, I know neither of us are doctors, but thoughts on the chances of getting any of those three guys back and what the shuffle might look like on the offensive line if there's no George Fant on Sunday. I love
1: the way D'Amico said, I'll update you Wednesday. And when we ask him Wednesday, he won't tell us anything. You know, because he never does. <laughs> yeah. And so we have to wait until the injury report comes out. I don't know about Fant. I'm writing a column for sportsradio610.com on Tuesday after we record about I've never seen anything like this in all my years covering the NFL, 47 now, where a team has so many injuries in the offensive line early in the season, going back to camp. It's just I've never seen it. It's unprecedented. It could be Josh Jones starting a right tackle, Michael Dieter starting a left guard, and that's certainly not what they signed up for. And uh, and as far as Jalen Petrie, Bruce Long, remember when uh, Deshaun Watson had to collapse Long? I don't know the difference. And broke in broken ribs, and he never missed a game. But Petrie's a hitter. I'd be really surprised if you can spend a night in a hospital for observation in Baltimore and be able to play the next week. Jimmy Ward, no clue about his hip. I think M. K. Stewart and uh, Eric Murray played about as well well as they could play for a defense that appears to be vastly improved.
0: Yeah, and we'll see. I it's it's a, I, I wonder how Anthony Richardson. How his style of play uh, equates to the relevance of the safety position in, on defense. He's got a arm. He can throw it out of he throw it out of the building. He just doesn't know where it's going. You know, I don't know how much, I don't know how much they're going to attack downfield with the Colts or how much they're going to put the game in Anthony Richardson's hands on the ground. You know, their, their running game outside of Anthony Richardson is horrible. Deion Jackson had like thirteen carry, literally had like thirteen carries for fourteen yards. Their leading ground gainer was Richardson with ten carries for forty yards. I don't know my early. What's your early read, John? We'll get we'll get on the record prediction Thursday. Look ahead episode. What's your early feel on this thing? The Texans are actually a one and a half point favorite in this game.
1: No, I've been saying since the, the draft, I picked the Texans to win. I still pick the Texans to win. The best thing about the Texans on Sunday at Baltimore was the way they contained the run. You know, if it wasn't you take away Lamar Jackson, as it was, they averaged three point seven yards on one hundred and ten yards. And then if you take away his, they average two, three. And so Mm -hmm. that run defense looked really good. And I think playing against Jackson would help them against Richardson. D'Amico Ryan said it would. So did uh, Will Anderson Jr. Denzel Perryman said, no, they're two different players, but he didn't explain. But it seems to me when you're defensing and game planning for a mobile quarterback, two weeks in a row, the first time you did it, that would be good. I realize Richardson is bigger and stronger and probably faster, but there's nobody more elusive than Jackson. So I'm going with the Texans. I think they're going to win a low-scoring game, and and I'll be surprised if they
0: don't. Yep, I'm with the. I'm I'm going with the Texans too. I'll have a score later in the week, John. I was pretty close on my yeah. score for the twenty-five to nine was the final. I said twenty-four to. I was there, man. I, did you know, John? There's never been before Sunday there's never been an NFL game with a final score of 25 to 9 it was a scoregami. There'd never been a 25 to 9 game. Have you ever heard of scoregami?
1: Uh no, I do now because that's what I saw during the, after the game but uh, Yeah. You no, know, that's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, 25 to 9. There'd never been a 25 to 9 final before. The Texans making history. <laughs> All right, you want to do some mail back? Oh, excuse me, some mail back here, John?
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, let's start it off with Chris in the ATL. He emails every week, so we start off uh, with him. Um, does naming C.J. a captain ensure he will be the starting quarterback all year long, aside from injury? So does, his, does this uh, C.J. Shroud voted a captain by his teammates? If his performance starts to waver, does his being a captain factor in at all to whether or not he stays on the field?
1: Of course not, Chris. Of course that doesn't have anything to do with it. If he stinks it up for multiple games that he'll do while like you go to the bench, Get a different perspective like Davis Mills did. Then when Mills came back in, he was a much better quarterback. So Remember if he when struck, struggles a lot, he'll be on the bench too.
0: Davis was a captain last year, and he got benched for Kyle Allen at one point. Remember that?
1: Ooh. Kyle Allen is the backup somewhere. I don't know where, but I read it. Buffalo. I thought, Buffalo.
0: Buffalo. Wow. Buffalo. Yeah. Hey, they
1: should have played him last night. He couldn't play any worse. Josh Allen. That's the truth.
0: Josh Allen was was abysmal last night. Chris asked an interesting follow-up, John. Chris always has these good questions that are kind of outside the realm. He said, "Fun question: If the city of Houston named a captain for the city, just a captain for the city, what famous or well-known Houstonian would you vote for?" I've got three on my list here, John. Do you? uh,
1: For the Texans?
0: No, no, no. For the city, like if the city of Houston, if you voted voted for a captain of the city, you know, just to rep the city out there, you know what I mean?
1: Mattress Mac.
0: That's a great one.
1: Sylvester Turner, who I think has been an outstanding ambassador for houston a great pr guy and the third one would be the best pr guy i've ever seen jj watt
0: okay the jj watt's a good one i have three other ones john bun b i think would be a good captain for the city of houston bun b is a great representative of the city loves h-town tillman for tita i think tillman would be uh tillman would be fun as a captain for the city of houston And I have The Undertaker as my third one, John. That's the wrestling fan in me, but The Undertaker. He was sort of the captain of the WWE locker room back in the day, is what they say. Um, All right. Thank you, Chris, for the question, as always. um, Let's go. Let's see. Donald and Spring. Things seem to change in the second half of that game against the Ravens with no Jalen Petrie out there. Where does he stack up on the list of most valuable Texans for you, John McClain? That's... Donald in spring asking that question. Where's Petrie in your pecking order of valuable Texans?
1: Right now you can't quarterback's the most valuable because of he is on every team. I think defensively, Will Anderson jr. Is the most important because he has a chance to be the first double digit sack guy since JJ had 16 in 2018 and Damian Pierce needs to get the ball more. He would be third but I would put Petrie, who he, he's a captain like Jimmy Ward, but he can play up, he can play back, he plays the run, he plays the pass. So I'd, I'd put him fourth. Now, Laramie Tunsil I'd put in the top five, and then I'd put Petrie probably five or six.
0: I put Petrie ahead of Pierce. Pierce looks like he dropped a little too much weight, John. He looks a little too sleek for me. I need him to get back to last year where he was cracking skulls all the time. Didn't he, did, he drop some weight because he's going to be catching more balls out of the backfield this year, right? Is that what we were hearing in the in yeah, training camp?
1: I think it's ridiculous throw in the ball. He gets enough punishment as it is. That's why they got Devin Singletary. But I think a lot of it had to do with the blocking. But he had, what, two, three, 15 five-yard runs. They didn't get him the ball more.
0: All right, let's see here next. Oh, by the way, Will Anderson. Did you hey, did you re-watch the game, John? Have you watched it a second no, or third yeah. time yet? Sure. Um, I think against almost any other quarterback, Will Anderson has three sacks in that game. He, he was... On re-watch, he was, uh, he was all over the place in that game on Sunday.
1: Very disruptive. A lot of tension had to go to him. You know, the first time he hit Jackson, it was an interception by Steven Nelson, made a great diving play. Then he sacked him later. And I thought John Grenard did well. Yeah. John had two sack- one sack, two tackles for loss. It amazes me the official s- stats come from the game book compiled by the NFL statistician. But a lot of people use pro football focus, next generation stats, just take for some other reason, none of them are official. And so I say, well, Will Anderson had this or JJ, John Grenard had this. But the fact is, that's not what they had. That's what they, well, officially they had whatever the game book says, but both those guys played really well and they blitzed a little bit. Petrie twice blitzed, and he was a factor on both blitzes.
0: Uh, Joe Q emails in about Kadarius Tony, John. He says, I find it hard not to wonder if number 19 for the Chiefs had the Lions on the money line on Thursday night last week. I'm mostly facetious, but not 100%. I can't recall a wide receiver ever being so singularly responsible for a team losing a game. Wide receivers have a great opportunity to shave points by dropping passes. I don't think 19, Tony, could have schemed the pick six on purpose. No, he couldn't have. I, I don't think... I don't think Kadarius Tony was on the take, John, but I do think Kadarius Tony is a loser. I, I think he's his deleting his Twitter account after the game, and then when the Giants lose on Sunday night, he's right back on social media trolling the Giants. Like, hey, go away, man. Just go away.
1: He had issues at Florida. The Giants got rid of him. Now the Chiefs probably would like to, but they can't. If somebody said if he just knocked down every pass thrown to him, Chiefs would have won the game.
0: That's true. That's true, yeah. If he... <laughs> that pick six was the difference right there uh, by Brian branch won on the
1: last drive. It was right in his hands yeah. and they could have won. The, they could have well, He did knock that end.
0: one down though, John, he, that one he, he did, did. Knock down. but <laughs> if he, yeah, but, it, but if he, if he had knocked down the pick six, they would have been, they would have been much better off. Um, Bobby B asks what national broadcast do you guys enjoy the most play-by-play color sideline, not the studio show. So game day team, John, you know, the Nance Romo Wolfson team, the Tarico Collinsworth, I guess it used to be Michelle Tafoya. I'm not sure who does NBC sidelines now. But do you do you have a particular one that's your favorite amongst the national NFL broadcasts?
1: Yeah, I don't pay any attention to anybody on the sideline. That's it's it's a uh, to me it's the hardest job, especially in college when those coaches are so rude a lot of the times. And uh, but I, I love the analysts and I like Aikman and Buck. I like I don't Tony Don't Romo's not as good as he used to be, but I love Jim Nance mainly because I've known him. Since uh, the late '70s, and um and I like Mike Tirico, although I thought he said a really stupid thing about putting the next to the Chiefs. That was after that first bad. game. That
0: was bad. And
1: Collinsworth, you know, he's got a lot of opinions. But if I had to pick one, I think I would go with Eggman and Buck.
0: They're good. I, Joe Buck doesn't annoy me on the football broadcast like he annoyed me during the World Series runs for the Astros back in the day. Um, <laughs> I think he's very talented. I think Aikman's good. Mine's NBC. I do like Tarico and I thought what Tarico said was incredibly stupid on Thursday night. If for no other reason, it just minimizes a great game that you just got done calling. And basically, you're telling the audience, like, well, whatever you watch doesn't really matter. The last three hours. Thanks for investing your time in watching me and paying my salary, but yeah, didn't really matter. Um, yeah, I'll
1: tell you, he regrets that. He's I'm sure he does. That,
0: which is one of the reasons I like him. I think he's, he's very self-aware. I, I and I like. I mean, and I think he's beyond just football like his ability to call other sports Ooh, yeah. he's he's arguably the gold standard among play-by-play guys overall and Collinsworth doesn't rub me the wrong way that he rubs a lot of people like, I think Collinsworth people get annoyed by Collinsworth sometimes um I like Collinsworth I like his energy I you know I'm, I'm not looking to get uh you know complete football 101 for my color commentators I like being entertained and learn a few things along the way and um, so I, I, I don't mind. I, I think Collinsworth and Tarico are a good contrast with each other, too. Collinsworth is kind of that country bumpkin Kentucky guy. And Tarico is a very buttoned up Syracuse educated broadcaster.
1: I watched uh, on, once live and once on replay that white guy make his debut on CBS. And of course, he's smooth as silk. We knew he would be. I thought he did a good job.
0: It's too crowded, John. Those studio hey, shows, there's they're too always, many, there's too they're
1: many always too crowded, yes.
0: Yeah, but that seems to be an easy problem to fix. Just get rid of two people. You know what I mean? Like it's, of course, I shouldn't be advocating for people getting fired in broadcasting. They'll come after me next. So, no, I by all means, have <laughs> 10 guys on the studio show. Make You're
1: untouchable. Them. <laughs> yeah. You're not, untouchable. Not if true. they called up Parker Hillis and say, we want to trade for Sean Pendergast, he'd say, that's no, the program director. Nope, nope, nope. You can have anybody else but Sean. He's untouchable. Okay.
0: I appreciate John. I appreciate that. But if they got offered two first round picks, I would say to Laramie Tunsil, I would say to Parker what Laramie Tunsil said to uh to Greer. Uh I would have taken that package as well. <laughs> um, Chris in the ATL gets another one in here. This is a good one, though. You just got done, we just got done talking about Damian Pierce. Uh, I get the Ravens' defensive line is solid, and the Texans had a makeshift O line but they've got to run the ball better and be better balanced. Pierce and Montgomery are arguably the best RB tandem they've had in years. Rex bleeping Burkhead isn't here anymore. Multiple exclamation points. He says, my question after venting, who should take the most blame for the poor running game for the Texans against the Ravens? Bobby Slowick, the offensive line, or the running backs?
1: The offensive line. I think everything that Bobby Slowick calls, he's going to have to take into consideration about the line. Now, at some point this year after – Titus Howard and Juice Scruggs come back, and uh, you never know. Maybe by then Jarrett Patterson will be playing left guard, but at some point I think the line will be better, Sean, and they'll look back and go, man, remember when we went through all this turmoil early in the season? What they do have to do is run it more. You know, the 49ers are predominantly a running team to set the pass. You know that's what Sloak would like to do. But you can't like come in four or five series, run them first down and come back to a pass on the second down. It's too obvious. But first time head coach, first time play caller, first time quarterback, they're all going to learn.
0: Yeah, it's it, the operation was not smooth on Sunday. That's the biggest thing I think. If you're looking at things, they need to improve week one to week two. Like the running game is going to be a work in progress. I get it. I don't expect them to turn into you know to to turn into a, a juggernaut on the ground. But getting the plays in, not using your timeouts. All, not using them all up with eight minutes to go in the half. Like these are things that, that I mean, it's, this is high school stuff, you know? Um, all right, a few more, John, here. Janice in Shenandoah. Shout out to the female listeners. We appreciate you. Joe Burrow got $219 million guaranteed. Will Trevor Lawrence finally be the one who surpasses Deshaun Watson's pesky $230 million guaranteed number?
1: Janice, I believe he will. I think this time next year. But if to the tongue of I Loa stays healthy – Mm -hmm. And that offense is so prolific, he's going to be the one, one of those guys, both of them will get new deals, and both of them may surpass Deshaun Watson, who may say, hey, I want to renegotiate.
0: Oh, please. John, he's got to play more than one good game before he renegotiates his
1: deal. He didn't even play a good game against Cincinnati. That's
0: what I'm saying. Seth and I went through his game log with Cleveland on the show today. He's played seven games with the Browns. He's had one game where his passer rating's been over 100. He's had two games where he's thrown for more than 200 yards Wow, more than 200 and not more, well, not when the
1: weather gets bad and the wind starts yeah
0: flying. yeah yeah uh all right a couple more here um jonathan on the west side t higgins in a texans uniform next year what say you
1: i say no they're not gonna go spend a fortune on a wide receiver why they they're need, they need a playmaker Evans, t higgins they're gonna t higgins is good when he's in a subordinate Role they need to draft and
0: develop their own guys. How do we know, John? How do we know he's, uh, he, 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 has he ever been given the opportunity to spread his wings and be the number one guy? Nope. And you're saying that that hasn't happened because he can't do it, is what well, I'm hearing. It hasn't happened
1: because he wants a lot of money. Yeah. Instead of giving him a lot of money, not knowing. Now, if they've watched him, if they watch him and they say, this is the guy that can be our go to guy, big play right. guy for five years, then they should do it. But uh boy, you gotta know that beyond a shadow of a doubt.
0: Yeah, because that, that market is expensive. That's not the running back market. <laughs> the and wide lie, receiver.
1: Good, another, every year's a good receiver draft. Yeah. But so many of them come out. And you don't have to get them in the first round. But uh although Nico Collins looked good, six catches, eighty yards. He did. Robert Woods was a first down machine. They still need a guy that, that is a big play guy who can stretch the defense. Maybe that'll be Tank Dell, but not many 5'8", 165 five pound guys are that. But uh, I certainly wouldn't give up big bucks unless I was sure. Especially now, like say before the trade deadline, because we know they're not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, look, Jonathan's question was just T Higgins in a Texans uniform. What say you? That was it. He didn't say when they get him or how they would get him. If it's a trade during the season for the right to for the right to sign him, I, those are tricky things for me. I'm. They did that with Laramie Tunsil trading draft. You're trading draft capital for the right to overpay a guy. That's a double whammy right there. So I definitely don't want them to do that. Like T Higgins is not the difference between them uh, making a playoff run this year and not making a playoff run. He would become their best receiver. I think immediately just from a purely from a talent standpoint, if if he were to come here, they're going to have a ton of money next season though, John, I mean, they're going to spend it somewhere. And I think wide receiver, I think, would you agree? I mean, that's probably one of the biggest positions of need on this team, especially if John Mechie, you know, we can't plan the future as if John Mechie is part of that right now, in my mind, at least.
1: I think that's one of the many things they should spend a lot of money on when they have a big free agency period to help them become a playoff contender.
0: I agree. That and the postgame show. That's what I would like them to spend a lot of money
1: on. What about the pregame show?
0: The pregame show, too. But the yeah, the, that, yeah, the pregame show. Both of them. Boy,
1: you're talking about somebody that's untouchable. I want more money. <laughs> you're like T. Higgins.
0: I am. I am. They're gonna tra- pay
1: the man. Pay him right <laughs> that's now. Right. That's right. Away. They're
0: gonna tra- they're gonna trade me to Jacksonville. Hey, whatever
1: you're getting for those long pre and post game and how late you gotta stay up doing our podcast and then get up at 4:30 next morning. They need to quadruple it.
0: Okay, I like that, John. You're gonna become my agent in this whole thing. I like it. Uh all right, last one. Um Astros rotation. This one is for this one's from Michael. He says, uh, guys, I like when you guys talk about the Astros starting rotation as if the playoffs were to start tomorrow. That is, that's kind of our bracketology thing, John. You know, like if the playoff if the playoffs were to start tomorrow and the Astros were in a best of five series, who would be your four starters for a best of five series?
1: Well, three would be JP France. And it wouldn't be Hunter Brown, and so it would Verlander.
0: Be... Ver, Verlander Framber an easy one too, right? Yeah, and
1: JP should be the easy third one because Javier had pitched worth the darn Mm-mm. all year, and then Hunter Brown has had at least a few good games, not lately. And I, but I've done no one does to he'll go with Javier, hoping Javier will magically discover the magic from last season. But Javier has been a huge disappointment from the get-go. And then Jose Urquidy, who's been in the bullpen, ERA almost seven in his four relief appearances. What a race. When I wrote my Astros column yesterday and posted it, the Rangers were out of the playoffs. Now the Rangers are tied for second place or something. They go from out of the wild card race to in the wild card race, and that's kind of the way it's been. It was fun for the Astros to run away with everything. And we're all just bored, waiting for the second round. But now with this incredible race in which every game is essential to the playoff race, it is so exciting.
0: Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's it's fun to watch meaningful. Sit down and watch meaningful games. This is like watching playoff games right now. Because let's Sorry. face it, the Astros could not miss the playoffs. It's not they're 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 right there with these other teams. There's th- four. There's there's three spots for four teams right now, basically. Oh. Right.
1: Yep, going in last night's game, and we're recording this on Tuesday, going in the first Oakland game, nine yeah. of twelve against the A's and the Royals, the yeah. worst team in baseball. They lose 4-0 to the A's.
0: Eight yeah.
1: times this year, they've hit double digits. Next game, scored two or fewer.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, and that's been a theme for two years now. Like this is not this is not something that's been going on since the All-Star break or something. This is two years now where they they just they, they tease you. They're like, okay, there they are. The bats are back, one through nine, the dream lineup, the lineup of death, and then they come back the next day. Two guys get hits last night. Peña and Altuve are the only two guys to get hits last night at all. I,
1: they need to look at that closer for the A's. May,
0: he got two on, that.
1: no yeah. out. He's got Alvarez, Bregman, and Tucker, no problem. Easy outs, game over. Uh, that guy did a great job. I don't know what he's done the rest of the season. I didn't know a team that wins 44 games needs a closer. But the fact is, he did tremendously. And I feel much better about the bullpen and the hitting than I do about the starting pitcher right now. Even Fromber, he had a he had a quality start. He gets no support. But Fromber's pitching well enough. Everybody's comfortable with him and Verlander. And as we record this, Verlander's going against the A's tonight. This yeah. time next week, they're playing the Orioles. That could be a preview of the American League Championship Series. Good. And those last six, at some point I was worried, oh man, they got to go on the road to Seattle and Arizona. Now I welcome them going on the road. And the Mariners should win everything because they get at the Rangers three, home for the Astros three, home for the Rangers for four. And uh they've got it right there, but they've won, I think they're three and eight in their last eleven, something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. They've got they've cooled off, no doubt. They were the hottest team in baseball for a while. They've they've cooled off. They were great in August. September has not been nearly as kind to them as uh, as August was. Hey, John, man, the A's. You know, even bad teams win games, and you know the old saying: the "Teams aren't going to close." Themselves. Okay, so you know they're, they're bad teams need closers too, John. Every now and again, you I, like that guy though, huh? Well,
1: I do. Yeah, and if they, yeah. you know, they went in nine and one against the A's, and if they win these next two, win the series, that's fine. I panicked. After that's fine. The first Padres game on Friday night, and then they beat them two in a row. So I think. I think they're going to win the division. Fan Graves has them at a 15.7% to win the World Series. That's second to wow. the Braves, who are 30% to win the World Series.
0: That's the highest the Astros have been all year, 157 I mean, they were down in the single digits for the longest time for a while there.
1: Yeah, after uh, getting shut out by the A's, they might be like
0: 2%. <laughs> the computers don't know how to overreact, John. <laughs> they're not like you and me. All right. Uh, John, what do you got going on on your various platforms this week?
1: I have a column on the Astros Monday. I have a column on the Texans Monday, and I'm working on a column Texans offensive line for Tuesday. I'm going to do C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson for Wednesday, and then I have to come up with something new for Thursday, probably on the Astros. So I got columns every day. So does Sean Bajani, and you can go to Houston, you can, you can oh boy, sportsradio610.com and you can hear the Utopia Football Podcast.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Wherever it is you get your podcast, click that subscribe button so you get it sent to you automatically. You'll get it sent. Wherever it is you listen to your podcast, they'll get it to you automatically when you subscribe. We love that. We appreciate everybody who subscribes, downloads, uh, watching on YouTube, and we've, we stream it on video as well. If you're just listening, audio, um, know that we stream it on video as well. You just got to make sure you're following the station, sportsradio610.com, downloading that Odyssey app as well, as John mentioned. And uh, hey, while you're there, while you're whatever platform you get your podcast on, give us a review if you're if it's available to you. Give us a review. We prefer good ones as opposed to mean ones. Um, so, uh, but do that as well. That always helps. Any sort of interaction like that helps the podcast, and we love delivering this to you guys. As we are one week into this 18 uh, week odyssey that is the NFL uh, regular season, Texans Colts on Sunday. That'll be the next episode Thursday. Thursday will be our preview for that Sunday game. We'll preview the game. We'll do a little for real or fugazi. We got a lot to get to on that Thursday episode. We appreciate you tuning into all of it. We appreciate our producer James Jackson. He gets his up. Ep- he gets these episodes out to you guys in a timely fashion. Does a great job producing the podcast, keeping us in line, and all that good stuff. So for James and John, I'm Sean, and we're out of time. We will see all of you a little later on this week for the next episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.